0: Uh, I want to share with you a word today that I've entitled set apart for a purpose how to know the call of God that is on your life. Now calling is a subject that is close to my heart. Uh, I am here because of a calling. I, I can still remember the Sunday that I was walking down in front of uh, the the church uh, that I was a part of, the, somebody had given an altar call in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I was walking down. I walked down front. I was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues, and and then I started to walk back to my seat. I didn't really know what it exactly had just happened. I started to walk back to my seat. I was a really young Christian, and it uh, hit me like a ton of bricks. You are called to preach the gospel. You'll you'll never be happy doing anything else. You are called, and, and by, the, by the time I got to the back door, I had talked myself out of it, but how many of you know you can't run from the call of God, amen? If you had given me a million guesses, I would have never guessed that I would be doing the things I'm doing today. I was the first Christian in my family, I've seen my entire family come to Christ, uh, but I have no preachers in my family line, uh, nobody in my family had ever graduated from college, nobody in my family had ever flown on a plane. Uh, how many of you know God has a sense of humor, amen? Everybody in my family is shy. I speak publicly for a living. God knows what he's doing, amen? And listen, if you want to know what you are called to do, you have to get to know the Savior, right? Uh, A lot of people say, well, I'm going to go figure it all out, and then one day I'll kind of work Jesus into my plans. That's not a good way to do it. No, you'll never know what you're called to do until you run to the one who created you with a purpose. Now, now listen, it's a little bit funny when you get a pastor talking about calling because I I, got to tell you, listen, I am never hired. I am always called. Listen. I, I, I just say it out loud, I, I'm pretty sure I'm getting paid something, maybe free food or something today, uh, uh, but uh, uh, it, that is a part of our deal, right, it, yeah, I, th- I think so, and, and, uh, uh, but, uh, but, but you can't afford me, I'm not hireable, I am called, amen, I want to encourage you, if you're not there in your life yet, and and we all have, you know, bridge jobs that kind of get us to the next thing. I get all that. But get yourself in a place where you're not just working a job, but you are following a calling. Why? Because calling is not just for pastors. Calling isn't just for ministers. That's the problem with getting a pastor talking about calling is after a while you start thinking that's a ministry thing and not a God thing for you but God has something specific that he has called you to do this team that just got back from Guatemala I've led about 800 of those so I know just a little bit of what you're feeling right now and I can tell you take the time this week as your heart is stirred because it won't be stirred as much next week take the time this week to say God how can I rearrange my life that I might do this kind of work for the rest of my life in some way, shape, or form? Amen? God has a way of calling us. Amen? So I want you to say this with me. I want you to say it out loud. It will be on the screen. This is a holy declaration. Come on, let's say it out loud. I am saved. Man, that was so lame, Indiana. Come on. I am saved and I am called. God did not just save me, he also called me. Now, this is not just something we're saying to make us feel better. This is actually something that the scripture declares over and over again. I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible today. 2 Timothy 1.9. God is the one who saved and called. Everybody say saved and called. As with a holy calling, it's a holy calling that's on your life. This wasn't based on what we have done. This was based on God's own purpose and grace, which he gave to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Did you know even before time began, God knew what you were called to do? So two simple points. One, your calling is a holy thing. Listen. A lot of times when we talk about holiness, we talk about all the things that we're not supposed to do. And I mean, you know, there are some things that will steal your holiness from God. But listen, the other side of that coin is that unholiness is pursuing something that God doesn't want for you. But holiness is pursuing what God has for you. Amen. Listen. Even things that are not sinful can be unholy for you if it's not something that God has for you. My grandfather was a master carpenter. I worked my way through college framing houses. I hated every minute of it. Uh, All my friends were doing missions trips, and I was, you know, going home because I was poor and working on construction crews. Now, God has a sense of humor. He knew that in my 30s I would launch an organization that builds buildings. I mean, you know, God knows what he's doing. Amen. We now do about a half a million dollars in building projects every year. And, and, uh, but, but for me to pursue being a contractor would be an unholy thing. Why? Because God doesn't have it for me, amen? It's not sinful, thank God, for contractors. But if God doesn't have it for you, then it's not for you, amen? Our God, uh, the second thing I'd say is that our God is not just a saver, our God is a caller. The picture I have in my spirit as I wrote this was, and it's actually, I talk about this a little bit in my book, that, that it's, it's almost like I can see some of you that you were just drowning in your sin. And, and Jesus jumped into the pool and he, he pulls you out and he, he breathes life back into your lungs and he makes your heart pump again. And right in that moment, he doesn't even wait two seconds, he begins to tell you what you are called to do. Why? Because he didn't just save you, he saved you with a purpose in mind. Amen? So what I love about our God is that when it comes to God, he always calls his shot. Go ahead and put that picture up there if you would. Uh, back, you guys will know this story, but back in uh, 1923, uh, there was a famous moment with the baseball player Babe Ruth. And this is an artist's description of this famous moment, and they say that it was the third game of the World Series, and it was in Chicago, and uh, Ruth walks up, and he's got two strikes, and they say, this is what legend says, is that he pointed the bat to center field, he called his shot, and on the very next pitch, he hit the ball out of the park to, to center field. Now, that's an amazing story, right? How many of you love that story? The problem with that story is, if you research it out, is that Ruth denies it, not just one time, but he actually denies it four times. What Ruth says is this, is that I actually didn't even have a bat in my hand. I had two strikes. I just wanted everybody to know that I had one more left, and I just happened to be pointing at center field, but it had nothing to do with my next swing. Now, I don't know about you But I like the legend way better than the truth. Anybody like the legend better than the truth? I I so love the legend. Why? Because there's something inside of us that says we ought to be able to call our own shot. But we are not the shot caller. No, God is the shot caller in Jesus' name. Amen? You can't call your own shot. Our God is a caller. This is both a scriptural and historical fact. God is not my co-pilot. God is my caller. Right here in my hand, I have the latest iPhone. Uh, 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 AT and T made me a deal I couldn't refuse, and so this is the 14 Pro Super Max, whatever. Uh, It's got the biggest memory because I take a lot of video and a very expensive computer we all carry around in our pockets. And this can do all kinds of things, but there is one thing my phone cannot do. It cannot call itself. Listen, try it. Dial your own number and your phone will not ring. Why? Because it's not its job to call itself. You are not called to call yourself. For there to be a calling, how many of you believe there has to be a caller? Amen. Our God is the caller. Romans 8:28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called. Everybody say called according to his purpose. Did you know that even your pain can move you towards your purpose when you are called? First Peter 2:9. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. And as a result, uh, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you. Everybody say, he called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. So many of us are groping in the darkness when God has called us to the light. Amen. Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and his call, God's gifts and his call, everybody say his call, are Irrevocable. <laughs> In the Message Bible, it says it is under full warranty that your calling can never be canceled, that it can never be rescinded. Uh, I, I, I This is my latest message, and I, I preach it the last three or four weeks, and every now and then I get somebody kind of mad coming up to me because they don't like it when they've chosen another path and somebody starts to bring up their calling. Why? Because you'll never be happy until you begin to pursue your calling. Did you know that God isn't just a caller, but God is also a recaller? Did you know that? I, I, I drive at home, I drive a Honda Accord, and every now and then Honda will send me a message saying your car has been recalled. Anybody ever got that? Now what do you do? You take it into the dealer and they fix it for free. It's the only thing they do for free. And then they give it back to you better than it was so that why? So it can get back to its original purpose. Listen, God doesn't just call. If he needs to, he will recall over and over and over again. I I don't know. It was about 20 years ago that Chavez in Venezuela went kind of crazy. He was hanging out with the guy from Cuba, and he decided that Venezuela would be a communist country. That's a bit of a simplification. But back then, we were doing mission trips to Venezuela. And the year that all that went down, we had to switch a team that was going to Caracas uh, to a little island off of Caracas that was safe to go to at the time, part of Venezuela, called Margarita Island. Uh, You can look it up. It's, It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And the only safe place to stay on that island are the resorts that sit right on the coast on some of the most beautiful beaches that you'd ever want to see. So a team of 50 of us, in Jesus' name, went to stay at the resort. But we did what we do on all of our teams. We, we we went inland. The whole Caribbean is like this. All you have to do is go inland, and then you find the poverty. And And we were going to this park, and we were ministering every night, and it was just amazing what God was doing. And uh, the, the guys at the resort, they were so excited that I had brought a team that included about 25 beautiful teenage girls, and they started throwing a party every night at 9 o'clock, hoping that our girls would come. So I said, man, i got to do something. So about 9 o'clock every night, we would walk across the street to the beach, and right there on the beach, we would have an incredible worship and, and preaching, just a beautiful service. And And I noticed the first night that the manager of the hotel Walked across the street, kind of hung out in the back, and, and then he would weep and cry, and right before we could talk to him, he would run back across the street. I felt a check in my spirit not to talk to him, just I felt like God was up to something. So I told, I told the whole team, I said, just leave him alone. We'll see what God does. And, and it was about the seventh night that I just walked up to him with the interpreter, and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing, man? I mean, every night you come over and you listen to the worship, you listen to the sermon. But before we can talk to you, you run back across the street. I said, what is up with that? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, well, you know, I used to do what you do. I said, what do you mean? He said, I was a missionary evangelist. I was very well known all throughout Latin America. And he said, I committed adultery and I lost my whole ministry. And he said, I don't know what it is, but I haven't been around worship in a while. And every night, man, when you guys start to sing, he said, I can't even understand the words. But he said, I'm like a puppet on a string. I just can't help it. I, I, I have to come and I have to be a part of it. And then I'm afraid. And so I run back. And, and he, said, he said, God is done with me. And I looked at him and I did my best to talk to him about the God who is a recaller. Amen. The God who can restore. The God can bring you back to your original purpose. So really the million-dollar question today is this. How can I know what my calling is? How, how can I know what I'm set apart for? Now, now, one of the ways that you can look at this is in the context of gifting. Did you know that God never gives out a gift without giving out a calling? Just like you were given natural gifts at your natural birth, like some of you, you have triple-jointed, gross fingers, and some of you can roll your tongues, and some can't, and some of you, man, you are naturally musically gifted, and some are not, like me, you, you, you can't even sing in the shower, and, and just like you were given natural gifts at your natural birth, did you know you are given spiritual gifts at your spiritual birth? And God doesn't give out those gifts to just anybody. The the thing about uh, a person trying to uh, operate outside of their gifting is there's nothing sadder on earth. If this morning Pastor TJ had switched it up and said, I'd really like to preach, how about you do worship, I promise you, you would have ran me out of the state of Indiana pretty quickly. Why? Because I would be operating outside of my gifting. Have you ever seen somebody on the American Idol tryout whose mom told them they could sing and they think they can sing and now we're going to humiliate them internationally because we all know they cannot sing. Now, Part of how you know you are called is what you're gifted to do, but it's not deep enough. Calling is a work of the Spirit. Listen, for you to know what you are called to do You have to get to know the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. How many of you want to know the deep things of God? Amen. See, I want to know what the Spirit knows. And the best way to know the will of God is to get to know the Spirit of God. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water. But a man of understanding draws it out. Listen, Pastor TJ, he's a Cardinals fan. I I am a Cardinals fan and a Chiefs fan. It's been really good for me lately, Pastor. And I will talk sports with the best of you. But there comes a point when we got to talk about something that matters. Amen? Amen? Be a person of death. Know the Holy Spirit. Know what you're called to do. And a lot of us would say, well, Pastor Doug, I don't know how to know the Holy Spirit. God kind of showed me this this morning. I, I, I was sitting in the office, and the Lord kind of showed me this. Listen, uh, the, the more you obey God's voice, how many of you know the more God talks to you? Amen? Amen? The more you obey God's voice, the louder the voice of God gets. I, I look at it like this, like a like a box of tissues. When I pull out a tissue, it sets up the next one. Amen? Isn't that convenient? And I pull out another one and another one and another one, and they just keep coming. Part of why my life is where it's at right now is because I never cease to obey the Spirit of God. Amen? And every moment of obedience sets up another moment of obedience, amen? That's what we need to do as Christians. We need to get to know the spirit of God. The other thing I would say is this, something I'll call the desire doctrine. One of the common ways, listen, this is, this is worth the price of admission this morning. One of the common ways that God reveals calling and purpose is in the area of desire. Sustained aspiration is, in a certain area is a good sign that God may be calling you to that area. Philippians 2, verse 13. God is working in you, giving you the desire. Everybody say, the desire. And the power to do what pleases him. We know this verse, Psalm 37, verse 4, that, that uh, if you will seek the Lord, that God will give you, you'll delight yourself in the Lord. I mean, you no know, delight creates desire, amen. If you delight yourself in the Lord, God will give you, anybody know the rest? The desires of your heart. Now, theology 101, it doesn't mean you get whatever you want. It means that God works in the realm of desire. Uh, let, let me just give you an example of this. I, I, uh, I, I, I've I been called to be an evangelist since I was 17, but I spent the first 12 years of my ministry as a youth pastor. And I I pastored like a bull in a china shop, man. I pastored like an evangelist missionary. That's how how I youth pastored. And and we had big youth groups, but I remember one year, I was about 29 at this point. I took a group of about 120 students to one of the district youth camps or whatever. And it's about a thousand kids. Everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. And it was a beautiful thing. And and, and it wasn't jealousy, Pastor TJ, but it, it was just like every night I would watch the speaker and I was just frustrated because I knew that I was called to do what he was doing. And I wasn't jealous. I, I didn't think I could do better. It just I, I was just frustrated. And finally, on the last night, I buried myself over in the altar and I. And I got along with the Lord, and I just said, God, maybe it is. Maybe it is pride. Maybe it is, you know, just ambition. Maybe maybe I just want to have my face on a poster or something. And, God, I'm so sorry. Man, Man, just, just help me to settle in to being a youth pastor and stop having this desire. That's what I said. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me right away, and he said this. He said, Son, when did I give you that desire? I said, I was 17, I was sitting in a camp, and it's like you pointed at the speaker, and you said, one day you will do that. God said to me, don't you think in the last 12 years of living for me, that if that wasn't for me, that I would have not corrected that desire. He said, your timing is off, but the desire is for me. Four years later, I launched my road ministry, and I never looked back, amen? Listen, if you have sustained desire in a certain area over time, it very well could be pointing towards the call of God that's in your life. Uh, Another way I would say it is like this. Something I do when I'm praying about big decisions is uh, I I will pray about it. I'll talk about it. I'll seek wisdom. But eventually I will stop praying for it. Let, Let me say it like this. When we overpray and overtalk about something, it's like we are performing what I'll call spiritual CPR on the situation. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I was asked about—I don't know—20 years ago if I would lead a college ministry in Columbia, Missouri. They said, "Man, we'll pay you. You can have your weekends off, your summers off, uh, but but just add this to your ministry." And I—and and at first I said, "Man, I'm doing too many things. I'm not interested." And they said, will you pray about it? How many uh, ever been there before? So I started praying about it, talking about it, uh, seeking wisdom about it for almost a month. And my desire went from zero to about 60%. And at about 60%, I did what I always do. I said, God... I'm going to stop praying about it. I'm, every time that comes up, I'm just going to worship you. In other words, I'm not going to breathe life into it. I'm not going to press its chest. Because how many of you know if it's from God, it will breathe on its own. That heart will beat on its own. So after about two weeks of not praying about it, the desire went from 60% back down to zero. I heard somebody else took the job. No big deal. Amen. But other times, like my move to Virginia two years ago, that heart would not stop beating no matter what I did. Amen? You've got to at some point get to know the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit even deal with you in the realm of desire. Is that helpful? Amen? Real quick, real quick this morning, four ways, four ways to ensure that you fulfill the call of God that's on your life. Number one, number one, everybody still with me? Number one, you have to plant yourself In your purpose. If I had a pot up here this morning that was filled with dirt and I put some seeds in it, let's say an apple tree or something, and and that seed began to grow, that seed would always be limited because of the pot that it's planted in. The only way that tree would reach its potential is to find a good spot of ground, take it out of its pot plant it deep in that soil, and then watch it as it stays planted reach its full potential. Many of us, listen, and I say this with with a good heart, many of you, you are masters of mobility. God is saying that he wants to plant you in your calling, but you will not invest yourself anywhere. You haven't been to three churches, you've been to 20 churches. I got I got news for you. You say, well, there's no good churches out there. Well, the only consistency in that story is you, by the way. You say, well, that pastor was a jerk, and that one, and that one. Maybe, just maybe, you ought to look in the mirror for a second and say, listen, maybe it's you and your inability, because, I mean, you know there's no perfect churches out there anyway. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, you might as well wait till heaven, because that's where it's going to happen. I, it was, uh, I'm a part of a mega church in, 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 uh, Virginia. And it was about, I don't know, six months ago, the pastor asked me to come in his office and he had a piece of paper on his desk and that paper represented a piece of land that they're about to purchase. And he said, pastor Doug, he said, would you help me? Would you lay your hands on that piece of paper? In fact, there was four or five of us there. And so we all laid our hands on the paper and we began to pray. And, and he said to me, he said, you pray last. So you ever been in a moment like that, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're listening, but you're kind of thinking about what you're going to pray, you know, and, and you're, you're trying to be into everybody else's prayer, but you want your prayer to be really good, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of going through that, you know, and as I'm waiting for my turn, I've got four fingers on the paper just like this, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly, and he said, uh, how come you don't have your fifth finger on the paper, that's what he said. I'm like, I'm searching my mind scripturally, and I'm thinking there is no scripture about four finger prayers versus five finger prayers. And I'm like, what is going on, you know? And, but, but I mean, it was like four or five times. Put your fifth finger, put that. So finally, I just did the move, you know, and I kind of adjusted and put my thumb on the paper. And, and as soon as I did, you know how the Holy Spirit can kind of show you something, a universe in a second. The Lord Lord showed me one thing, and I won't bore you with it, but there are five areas. I have five seeds of calling in me. I build my ministry around five things. If you want to know later, I can share it with you. But the Lord spoke to me, and he said, where you are at, if you will plant yourself, all five areas will be fulfilled. The other thing the Lord spoke to me quickly was that I was only about 80% in, because how many of you know it's human nature to keep your options open? And he said, it's time for you to be all in, buddy. Now, now listen, I think a bunch of you right here, and, and I got to tell you, I was here a year ago. God is doing something special in this place right now. Amen. God is doing something unique. <laughs> but the only way it's going to happen is to have a whole bunch of five-finger people, amen, in this room. That decide, good, bad, ugly, the guy down the road preaches better, who cares? I am going to be right here. I'm going to plant myself in my purpose. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. Listen, planted people are powerful people. Refuse to be potted. Number two, you have to prepare. Everybody say Prepare. You've got to prepare yourself for your purpose. If you say you are committed to your calling, but you are not preparing, you know how many people in an average month tell me they're called to do what I'm, call, what I'm doing? I, I mean, probably 20, 25 in an average month will come to me. and I want to do something like that. I look at them and say, well, how are you preparing? What are you prepping for? I mean, I've been pointing my life in this direction for 35 years, so it's no surprise that maybe God is using me in this way, man. If you say you're called but you're not preparing, I don't really believe that you're called. You're not committed to your calling anyway. Second Peter 1.10, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Everybody say work hard to prove that you're really among those who are called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. So, so are your daily habits backing up what you call a divine calling? My 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 son Jordan he's preaching right now while I'm preaching here. He's past he pastors a church outside of Kansas City and and uh, it's a it's a second campus of a very large church in Kansas City. And uh, I remember when Jordan graduated from college he had about 20 job offers. He's 21 plays the guitar, preaches good. Just he could probably be a professional comedian. He is such a funny kid. I, I pulled Jordan aside one day when he was 21. He's 30 now. And I told him, I said, I said, son, you got a problem. He said, what? I said, you've got good guy disease. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a good guy. I said, any church in the country would love to have you on their team. The problem is if you're not careful, you're so likable that you won't be a grower. You won't be a doer. You'll just hang out. I said, stop that, man. I said, "I said, you say you play the guitar? I don't see any calluses on your fingers yet. I said, you say you can preach? I want to see some sermons, buddy. I want you to move my, you get what I'm saying? And I said, start prepping. Well, a year ago when they were looking for the guy to go to the next campus, who do you think they chose? Not the one that had been sitting around, but the one who was prepping, who was growing in their calling. Now, let me illustrate this a different way. I I own a missions organization. We have 18 teams this year. We'll take about 300, 350 people on trips. So let's just imagine that I offer in the lobby today a free, all-expense-paid, plane ticket and everything, missions trip to to the trip of your choice. You can go to Africa with us. You can go to uh, Belize, Jamaica, Honduras, and any of the inner city. You name it, we'll take you. Now, I, probably what would happen is I'd have some of you lined up out in the hallway, but there's a catch. See, on this trip, we are going to be, and this is just imagining, okay, so don't call me on it, but 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 we we are going to be installing a bunch of toilets on this trip. And what I need is I'm going to interview all of you, and I'm going to figure out which one of you can do the best on installing the toilets, and then that person gets the scholarship. And So let's just imagine I'm conducting the interview, and, and you say to me, Pastor Doug, I want to go on the trip, and I say, that's really great, but have you ever installed a toilet? And you said to me, well, Pastor Doug, you don't understand. I have been using toilets my entire life. <laughs> I don't know, I, this, this might go bad. I'm, I'm just trying to say, I, I, one time I jiggled the handle and the toilet just started working. It's amazing. I know how to do number one, number two, number three. It's crazy, you know. I don't even know what number three is, but that's it, you know. And, and I said, well, that's really great, but have you ever installed a toilet? I said, no, you don't understand. I know right where the toilets are in Home Depot. I mean, it's like Iowa number eight, about halfway down. I can take you there right now. i, I, I That's really awesome, but have you ever installed a toilet? Oh, pastor you don't understand man I watch a lot of videos and 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 and, and I've watched a bunch of videos on this and, and even more than that my grandfather is a plumber well that's really great but anybody want to go with me in other words how can I deploy your gift if you're not willing to develop your gift you understand All right, Like, like Like, I want to do what you're doing. This didn't happen overnight. Amen? You, You have to develop that gift before God will deploy it. Number three, you have to purify. Everybody say purify for your purpose. Man, this is so good. Your purpose is pure. Everybody say my purpose is pure. The call of God on your life is a holy thing. And God only chooses, listen, listen pure vessels to pour his power into. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle, he said, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So is the life that you are leading, is it worthy of the calling that is on your life? See, purity and holiness is about pursuing what God has for you. It's about the power of no's and the power of yeses. Maybe you're here today and you say, i got a big, great calling on my life, but I've really got some time that I can kind of watch pornography at night too. Well, I'm sorry, I just don't have time for that. You understand? Now you say, Pastor Doug, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You shouldn't do it because it's wrong. I, I, I get that, but listen, I, I'm just going to admit something to you, Okay. Some mornings I wake up and I don't feel super spiritual. Has anybody, anybody anybody ever been there before? Actually, this morning was one of those mornings. Some mornings I wake up and I can't even spell Jesus. You know, it takes me a few hours to figure that out. But the reason why I am faithful is two, it's a two-sided coin. One side, I love Jesus and I don't want to do anything to hurt him. Amen. The other side is I am pursuing my calling. And because I am a called person, I don't have time for the foolishness that so many other people have time for. Amen? Second Timothy 2.21, I love this verse. If you keep yourself pure, wow, you will be a special utensil for honorable use, and your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. Anybody at home got that got some special silverware special plates, things like that. You only take it out when somebody special comes around. Now I know these aren't super special, but I want to show you too. Uh, this is a plastic spoon that I picked up somewhere in my travels. It's actually a pretty nice one, but it 's plastic. Do you know that most of the world is starting to ban these and, and i'm actually i 'm not a super environmental person, but but I 'm actually for that because it's messed up the plastic has messed up the world so much. And 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 this is this is a throwaway item. You understand like you it's designed. I mean, I kept it because it's a little better than your average one. But but this is made to use one time. And then you what? You throw it away. Right now, this one, on the other hand, and I know it's not as special as what you have at home. This is one that I keep in my backpack. It's a metal kind of a fancy one. I paid about 15 bucks for it. It's a metal spork. It can open bottles. It's got a little knife thing. I can't believe they let me take this through airports, but they do. And, and uh, anyway, I've been carrying it around for years. This has been in a whole bunch of countries with me. I don't know how many nights, like, I'll order a salad or something, and then they forget to put a fork in, or, or I'll go down and, and, and get, a, get some of that haagen at the hotel, and then I don't have anything to use, so I pull out my special utensil. This is the utensil that I use over and over and over again. Listen, I am a utensil that God uses over and over and over again. You are not plastic, amen? You are a special utensil designed for good works. My daughter, my youngest daughter, she's a worship pastor in Pensacola. She was recently dating somebody she'd hated if she knew I was telling this story. Uh, and uh, anyway, the guy was kind of a nominal Christian, but you know, she's looking for her husband and and anyway, he uh, he finally just looked at her and said, "So you just don't sleep with people at all before you get married?" And she said, "No, that's not what I do." I said, "No, no," and, and she she told me that she said, "Dad, I told him that I wasn't ordinary; that I was special." You understand what I'm saying? In other words, I can't do just what other people might do. Would Jesus forgive her? Absolutely he would. But, but would her calling be affected? Absolutely it would. Amen? See, at some point you've got to decide, if I am going to be used of God, I am going to be a pure, special vessel called by God to do special things. Amen? And then finally, the last one is this. Everybody still with me? We're almost done. Is you have to pursue your purpose. You have to pursue your purpose. You know, uh, last night I, I arrived into Indianapolis Airport late. My flight was very delayed in Atlanta. I could have drove here uh, faster than I flew here. And when I, I jumped on my plane and I only had 20, I only had a few minutes, you know, to get on the plane. Well, anyway, my luggage did not make it. And Delta's got this thing where you can track where your bag's at. And I knew my bag would be on the next plane problem is the next plane was three hours behind me. Another problem is you are an hour and a half away from Indianapolis. So I was like, am I going to wear sweatpants tomorrow morning? You know, what's up? I need my bag. And so the only way I knew I could for sure have on proper clothing this morning was just to hang around in Indianapolis and wait for my baggage, right? It's funny because the Lord spoke to me as I was spending three hours in your beautiful city waiting for my baggage, so that I could what? So that I could get in my car and go do my calling. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, a lot of you, the problem is you're not pursuing God because you're constantly waiting on your baggage instead of pursuing your calling. Amen. I, I again, I wish I could say I I serve God every day just because I have that deep a love for Jesus, and 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 there's half of that's that's true. But the other side of that coin is I serve God because I am pursuing my calling. Amen. I, the, the backpack over there that I carry everywhere I go, it's it's right over there by Pastor TJ. I, I, that thing, it'll be on the road with me 200 days this year. It'll go with me on a trip uh, to Houston tomorrow. It'll go with me on another trip to Jamaica on Saturday. I got to tell you, I'm very picky about what I put in my backpack. You, you know Why? Because it's heavy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I don't have time for the baggage that a lot of other people have time for. I forgive quickly why? because I can't carry bitterness with me. I, 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 I get rid of sin fast. One, because my God is graceful. And two, because I don't have time to carry it around. Amen? I don't have time for addiction. I am pursuing my calling. I don't have time for baggage. Amen? I wonder, I wonder where we're at today. Are you really actively pursuing your calling? Again, I, I probably get asked 20, 25 times a month, you know, how are you, how do you get to do the things that you get to do? And it's not even a fair question because, again, I've been pointing my life in this direction for three or four decades. I have been. How many of you know you get what you pursue? Amen. Eventually, you will arrive at what you are pursuing. Well, I want you to stand to your feet, everybody, throughout the house this morning. If we can get some musicians up here, how many believe that God spoke to us today? Amen. Hmm. You know, there, you know, there's two words in the New Testament uh, for grace, and one of them means uh, unmerited favor. In other words, how many you believe that that we get grace that we don't deserve? Amen. The other word for grace that's found in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 is the Apostle Paul uses this word for grace that means divine enablement. Just divine enablement. Have you ever been around somebody and you're just like, man, they're just grace to do that. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, it looks so easy for them. It would be so hard for me. They are just divinely enabled to do it. Listen, what the enemy is afraid of today, what the enemy is afraid of is that you will step in to your grace, (laughs) that you won't be struggling, that you'll actually stop worrying about just having to earn a dollar and step into the grace that God has for you. Amen? I I, I was in a basketball league years ago, and uh, there was a guy that uh, uh, was was a part of one of the other churches on the team or whatever, and he had this move that was just unstoppable. He'd kind of do two or three steps, and he had this little hook shot. And anyway, he could just make it every single time. And I'd watched him week after week after week. And finally, I said to the coach, I said, put me in, man. I think I know how to stop that. And so what he would do is he would start into his move, and then I would just step right into the middle of his move like this. And I would just go like this because I knew he'd hit me. And, and, and anyway, he could not function. I mean, I mean, it just stopped him every time. Eventually, he was throwing punches at me and everything else and saying I was cheating. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything, man. I'm just stepping into your move. You understand? Listen. You are not a one-trick pony. God has a call on your life, amen? You have graces that are upon you. The Lord wants you to use them. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean that, you know, we should flood pastor's office tomorrow with 100 counseling sessions, and now we're all called to preach and whatever? Don't do that, please. (laughs) Does it mean I should go out and quit my job tomorrow? Don't do that, please. But it does mean that you've got to start evaluating your life in more than just making a buck and being hired. No, no, no. You are called, amen? And for some of you, with wisdom and over time, you might be doing something completely different for a living, amen? There's nothing more joyful than pursuing your calling as your job. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I, 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 I am called. Everybody say it out loud. I am called. One last illustration. Pastor TJ and I, we've known each other for about a year. And uh, I just want you to imagine something, Pastor TJ, and I think this is a really good idea. I just want you to imagine that you and I, that we decide that we're going to have a traveling ministry together. And we're going to do professional improv acting at churches. This is an awesome idea. We should do it. And, and travel all over the world together. Now, improv acting is the, it goes like this it's got one rule. Improv acting's got one rule. It, it's called take the offer, okay? So let's imagine Pastor TJ and I were there on our first Sunday and we're about to do our act together and it's gonna be so powerful. And, and anyway, here's the, I, I say to Pastor TJ, I'm like, wow, it's really raining in this place. And he looks at me and he says, no, it's not. How I many you know the scene is dead, right? The scene is dead. Why? Because he did not take the offer, right? But if he looks at me and he says this, and I say, It's really raining in this place, and he says, That's why I brought my umbrella. I mean, you know, it's on, baby, right? And you don't know where the scene's going. It, It could be exciting, funny, powerful, whatever. Why? Listen, we have a God who is simply saying this Don't try to figure everything out, don't try to get your next hundred moves. Just take the offer, amen. And when you take the offer, it's on, baby. It's on. You never know where it's going to go. When I was walking on the dirt of Burundi, East Africa, three weeks ago, I just was like, "How in the world? How in the world?" You know, thirty-five years ago, when when God was saying to do this kind of work to me, I I, I just I had no idea He would take me to the other sides of the earth, amen. But when you take the offer, you never know what God might do. And so, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that by your spirit, you would awaken. Come on, come on, lift your hands and receive it today. That you would awaken calling in this place, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for some desires that many of us, that we, we pushed them down, uh, in some cases for decades. That you would bring them back to the surface today. That you would breathe the breath, the ruach of God upon them. Bring them back to life. God, I pray for people that have had dreams, that they're like, when is it ever going to happen? That we would become pursuers, not just of God, but of the call of God that's on our life as well. Lord, that we might be obedient to you. So that one step of obedience can lead to another and another and another. And we never know when we take the offer where it might lead. God, I pray, come on, receive this. I pray specifically over the young people today that you would call right now in Jesus' name. God, be the shot caller in Jesus' name. Call out by your spirit, God. Point the direction of lives and destinies even right now. I, I just feel this in my spirit that there's somebody here, a young person, and your mom and dad have been telling you, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't go after the call of God that's on your life. And they've even given you other plans. God is saying today in respectful way that he is the higher authority in your life. That you have to pursue what he has for you, even over the desires of others for you. Lord, right now, we submit to you and we ask you to use us in great and powerful ways. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I'm going to ask two simple questions. One, you're here today or perhaps you're watching online and you say, Pastor Doug, I, I, I don't know if I even really know God in a personal way. How can I know what God has called me to do if I'm not even sure that I have a relationship with Him? If that is you, and whether it's the first time, first time in a long time, or maybe you've drifted, or perhaps you're new to the faith, you just say, Pastor Doug, I want to know Christ. When you were talking about the Holy Spirit and the Kleenex thing, I want to know what God has for me. I want His voice in my life. If that's you, and you just say, I need to get right with Jesus. I promise I won't embarrass you. We're all going to pray together. Why don't you just lift your hand right where you are, if that's you. It's one, two, somebody else, three, four, five. Somebody else. If you're watching online, just kind of say, that's me. You know, give us an emoji or something. Say, that's me. Probably about a dozen hands. How, how, how many of you, come on, just, just look at me right here, okay? I, I don't know. I like privacy, but but we're family, right? How, how many of you would say... <laughs> I was just thinking, we're family. I'm like the weird uncle that you never see. It just, just flies in every now and then. So, uh, so, so, so really, the way I handle it when I'm at a church is that weekend that pastor is my pastor, okay? And and so, so I'm under his spiritual authority. He's my pastor today, so I'm a part of the family, right? So, so I, I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. It, it how many of you would say with me? If I'm going to see God's power in a greater measure, then I've got to up the purity factor in my life. I've I've got to to do it, man. I'm so tired. You know, David, David said this in one of the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 119, verse 18, if I'm not mistaken. But David said this. He said, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Amen? Dare I say you can't watch 10 hours of Netflix every day and fulfill your calling. Right? let alone all the other junk. It's got to come to a point where we simply say, yes, for love of Jesus, but also because I simply don't have time for it. I want to get rid of the things that don't please God. Amen? Listen, this revival that's happening internationally right now, I promise you, every revival that's ever happened in church history, biblically, historically speaking, holiness is right at the center of it. Repentance is right at the center of it. God, we have got to up our game when it comes to purity. Almost every person in this room raised their hand on that. How many believe the word speaking? Amen. So, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, we repent and we ask you to come and meet us right where we are. Right where we are. God, we give you this sin that's in our life we, we we ask for your forgiveness come on pray your own prayer right there we ask for your forgiveness for looking at things that don't please you for actually being delighted in things that don't delight you God we we, we ask that you would raise the bar of holiness and we repent today God set people free come on lift your hand and receive set people free of addiction right now in Jesus name that we might be pursuers of the call of God. No more baggage in Jesus' name.